You are listening to Fed by Ravens with Matt and Adam. Good morning, Matt. Good morning, Adam. Welcome to day 311 and 312 of Fed by Ravens, the show where we are talking our way through the scriptures. I'm having fun. Yeah. I'm back from sickness. We had a little bit of sickness come through the camp. But everything, <laughs> everything's been repented of, and we are good. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Sometimes you just get sick, people. Anyway, that's another lesson. Where are we today in the Old Testament, Matt? Our Old Testament reading for today is Ezekiel chapter 13 through chapter 16. Sweet Ezekiel. Well, as we know, Ezekiel is already in Babylon. And he is prophesying, speaking on behalf of the Lord as a priest. God has interrupted his life with all sorts of visions and often kind of, what's the word? Uh, Authenticity, but it's like... Authenticating? Yeah, authenticating and authorizing that he is now a prophet. Yes. And so the distinction of this is means he's not just offering up or mediating between representing people to God or representing God to the people, he's actually speaking the words of God. Yes. The issue is there are prophets already all over the place. Mm -hmm. And I really like chapter 13 because it says something counter-cultural. It does. It says, stop speaking from the heart. (laughs) Like in our culture, it's like, if you speak from the heart, you can't go wrong. But literally, God says, tell them, to the prophets, to stop speaking from the heart. Now, when we say speak from the heart, we're talking about being honest mm-hmm. uh, to people about your feelings, about what you think, about what's going on. And that, that's okay. But do not speak from the heart when you're speaking about God or saying what God is saying. Right. Uh, so because God says... They're speaking from the heart what they think and feel. They're not speaking my word. Mm-hmm. I have given my word and they don't like it. Mm-hmm. And so they're speaking from what they want, not from what God is actually saying. And Ezekiel, you're the guy who says the word. You heard me say, mm-hmm. y'all are in trouble. Right. And I got to purify you because you're messing it up, not just for yourself, but for the whole world. There's mm-hmm. a bigger plan in place. And so tell the false prophets to stop speaking from their heart. And actually, and he says, and they're saying, declares the Lord. The Lord is not declaring when you're speaking from your heart. The Lord is declaring when he's, when you're reading his word. Yeah. And what's really interesting too, is as you're reading, if you read chapter 13 and you've read Jeremiah at all, yeah, which Jeremiah, this is happening uh, at similar times. It's just one's happening in Jerusalem and while the other one's happening in exile and this is very similar, and he even has, God says the same thing yeah. about these prophets. Peace, peace, when there, there is, is no, no peace. peace. And again, it's just so cool to see, like, the consistency. Yeah. And, like, God is so consistent, to, and he's, like, trying to, he's so communicative, right? Mm-hmm. That's a word. Mm-hmm. And he's communicating to both his people in exile and his people still in the land, saying, like, look, this is what I want. Yes. This is what I need for you guys to do, to change, and to halt this utter destruction coming. You've broken the sign, like a covenant. You've Mm -hmm. broken the covenant. You've written yourselves out of the will. 
I'm doing everything I can to restore that. Yay. But we have to respect what you've actually done. And so stop saying everything's okay. At the same time, there were false visions and divinations and mm-hmm. magic spells and curses. Oh, yeah, yeah. So yeah. like, so one of the things he's addressing in chapter 13, which is interesting, is he uh, is prophesying against the women in exile right now who um, are practicing witchcraft and yeah. sorcery. And like using magic charms, and the insinuation is that they're actually trying to uh, steal the souls of other people to extend their own lives. And wow! And like that's like at least the the practice that they're doing. Yeah. Who, like whether it works or not, it's don't scary. need to know. But the idea though is God's like, stop trying to manipulate me yeah. and the spiritual forces. Like that's not what we're doing here. That's not our story. That's not who we are. And you guys will be punished for this. And the final idea for me in 13 is, uh, as a result of all this, it's important for God's people to know all, all religions and all anything that's spiritual does not lead to the same place. Right. Like, God offers salvation to all people. As God, he's like, come to me, I will save you. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, if I'm offering to save you right now, you mm-hmm. then think that someone else will save you. Right. And you lead to me. That's absurd. Not all, all religions do not lead to the same God. Well, the God that's saving you is saving you. I'm that's ha- it. I'm having a weird uh, flashback of a yeah. an actual conversation you and I had oh, with right. a uh, a little Wiccan girl mm. who who dropped the line that yes, yes. Um, all spirits are good. Yes, she did. She said all spiritual stuff is good. All spiritual stuff no. is good. And what we need to constantly remember, and what God's constantly trying to remind us is. Wrong. There are spiritual things, and there are bad spiritual things. That's like, you know what it's like saying? Everybody with a van who invites children into it is good. (laughs) Because my dad has a van, Mm -hmm. and I get into that van, so Mm -hmm. therefore all vans lead to home. Right. And we know that's not true. The same thing in religion Mm -hmm. and in spiritual nature. No. There are some spiritual forces that want to kidnap you and destroy you. <clears throat> that okay. are working against us. Yeah, so he's like, uh, God offers salvation to all people. Well, then it gets even worse because I feel like he always starts on the outside and then moves in, right? Yeah, so, so he goes from the, the false prophets and kind of like, I mean, the spiritual side of things. And then he goes down to the the elders. The, the, like the political side of things. Yeah, the, the yes. The, the elders side. now mm-hmm. are condemned because he's like, speaking of hearts, the prophets are speaking from their hearts, whatever mm-hmm. they want. But the elders have taken these idols into their hearts. Yes. And the language for heart here is full devotion. So mm-hmm. these elders have like hidden these idols in their hearts. They really believe that the God of fertility will mm-hmm. help them. The God of war will help. The God of the sky. The God, they're, they're collected these. And that's what God is upset. He's like, man, why would you take these gods into your heart? Mm-hmm. It's almost like Stockholm Syndrome. Like you've fallen in love with the guy who's trying to kill you. Yes. Yeah, I mean, and this is like the language that God uses when he's like, hide my word in your heart. That's yes, what I want yes. hidden in your heart, is I, my word. I want your heart. That's what Me. he says. Like, it's not just about the sacrifices. Yeah. That was a way to restore the covenant you broke. But you guys have just ritually done these sacrifices while you are connecting your hearts to the idols. That's the problem here. And, and we see it today in, in a way like, like someone who would be committing adultery and then coming home at night and being a father, being a husband, mm-hmm. doing the things, but then 
also then preparing to meet with his mistress the next day. Right. It's like, I'm sure the wife isn't like, well, you, you know, I've been a good husband to you. Why are you mad? Because you're pl- you have a mistress. Right. Not good. Right. Okay. We get it. So mm-hmm. um, he, God actually says, this, this is the stuff that strikes me now, is when God says, um, <laughs> I've come to you through, repent, turn from your idols. I've come to you through the prophets, and yet you have all these things. But it's when God says, sorry, I didn't mean to touch you there. Uh, you, I talk, Ridiculous. I talk with my hands. I just touched Matt's shoulder. It was very odd. He says, I set my face against you. Yeah. And that's the sad part. Like, that's the part in the relationship where it's like, I can't trust you anymore. My heart and my face are not open to you because mm-hmm. I can't trust you. All you're doing is destroying everything I thought we had and I've been working for. It is interesting because I think we also carry this idea as Christians um, that we have our hearts and minds and faces have to be set towards everyone all the time. Right. Like we have to be completely open and vulnerable to everyone we meet. I mean, we're not according to social media, but right. But, but we pretend th- to be like at the same I- time. But this idea, yeah. there's like this undercurrent that that's what God expects. But no, no, no. There's always boundaries. There's always like, oh, you're trying to hurt me. Cool. My heart's not for you right now. If right. you're trying to hurt me, and so even God is like, cool. We're not going to be working together anymore. Right. We're done. Well, and I think it's also not helpful. If everyone just feels like God's always like, good job, buddy. You're right. Oh, you committed adultery? Oh, you're fornicating? Oh, you're not even putting your word close to your heart? <laughs> you're doing whatever you want? <laughs> you're trying to overthrow my throne constantly? That's by all right. I still love you. I love you. That's just foolish. Mm-hmm. There's no relationship that works like no. that. And if it is, it's an enabling gross relationship. It is, yes. And, and God's God. not enabling or gross. <laughs> right. He's, salvi- he's salvific. Yes. Well, so then Ezekiel drops. Um, oh, here's where man, we're at. This is insane. He drops Noah, Job, and Daniel. Right. He's like, look, there's not one person who's going to save you all now. I know you're looking like for a David figure. A David figure. Or even, I was thinking about, um, I'm going through judges with the kids. Yeah, yeah. Like the idea that they're probably looking for a, a judge. A or, judge to rise up, up and, and fight back and, and like get us them. back to the land. And he's like... And the prophet is like, no, two things I like. No, uh, Noah, Job, or Daniel. I just love that he believes, he actually believes in Noah. Yeah. Noah's Ark. He's yeah. not going, I mean, uh, he uses him as well, an the, actual. Well, the Lord says this. The Lord says. Well, the Lord believes it then. That's even better. Yeah. The Lord, the Lord is saying if Noah, Daniel, and Job were in Jerusalem right now, I still would not spare... I would spare them, but I would not spare Jerusalem. Do you know what a big name Noah is? Because, yeah. I mean, Noah basically saves the whole human race. Right. Through like building an ark. Like the ark saves all in, humanity, yeah. and it's a recreation because God has to cleanse the earth. So again, God's not acting out of character here. It's not like, whoa, God, what are you doing punishing us? It's like, this is your story. Okay, okay, okay. Oh my gosh. Right. I, I'm, I just Connected. made some connections. Okay, one... The, the, here's another layered reason why you would use these three names. Yes. The Lord didn't spare the entire world for Noah. Right. God saved Noah and his family. He destroyed the entire world. Right. And so then you You're have... Right. Yeah, he saved them because yeah. they were remotely righteous. Like, they were just going to trust God. Job's entire family dies. Right. Job was offering daily sacrifices... For his family. Right. And all of his family dies, except for his wife. Like, all of his kids die. And they were not spared because of Job. 
Daniel, Daniel was in Jerusalem the first time Babylon came, sieged it, and raided it. And Babylon was not spared because Daniel was there. He was still taken out into exile. Right. right. Uh, and other side note, Daniel is like right now a, a contemporary of Ezekiel. Right. So Ezekiel would be very aware of who Daniel is. So interesting. All of our heroes have suffered they, so much. They suffered, and and the people around them suffered. Like so, God's also using them. Like, look, these guys were super righteous. These guys were, their hearts were for me, and yet. I did not spare anyone. Well, for even that. like Sodom and Gomorrah, like mm-hmm. Lot, he doesn't spare all of Sodom because Lot. He actually saves Lot uh, because he decides to have um, mercy on Lot. So the idea here is don't look for one person to save you. For some reason, all humans and even us, we, we want to be positive. All of a sudden, we want to be positive mm-hmm. when we're being punished. Like, well, look on the bright side. I, I didn't burn the whole house down. <laughs> and look on the bright side. We have, like, uh, Daniel save us. And God's yeah. like, no, 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 you don't understand. Uh, your elders have hidden idols in their hearts. You have idols in your hearts. Don't be looking to someone else. I'm going to clean house mm-hmm. through famine, sword, pestilence, and even beasts. But I will keep a faithful remnant. we got to keep moving. Yes, yes, yes. And so he goes on in chapter 15 to say, basically, Jerusalem, the last, like, Jerusalem always felt better than Samaria because the north fell to Assyria so much earlier, Mm -hmm. and they were more wicked earlier. Yeah. So they always had this sense of pride, like, well, this is where God's temple is, but Ezekiel has to break it to them that God says, you've become a useless vine which is basically you become firewood. The only thing that you're useful now is to be burned to provide energy and fuel for others. Yeah. And again, it's, it is interesting to see the vine language dropped because Jesus uses this pretty frequently as well. But I think oh, it's also... That's a good one. Yeah, he says, I'm the true vine, you're the branches. branches. Because we've been the vine before and we were useless and had to be burned. Yeah. And, and then so he's also like, vine. you're a branch... And you're being cut out and other people are being grafted in. Well, you can be pruned mm-hmm. and the vine is still going to produce, right? right? So don't be pruned. But then finally we get to chapter... Uh, so that's pretty much 15. 16, though, is so interesting. 16 is... Um, essentially, uh, Ezekiel has to tell now... So you've gone from the prophets to the elders. Now it's to all the people. Yeah, to uh, prophets, elders, Jerusalem. Jerusalem itself. Like, you are a faithless bride. Mm-hmm. And God reminds them their origin story. Essentially, you were created from the Canaanites, the Amorites. So you think back, like the people of God came from Abraham, from Ur. Mm -hmm. And so from that area, he chose and created a people, raised them. They were discarded. They were counted as nothing. Mm -hmm. And so the the kind of allegory is... Uh, many people would leave their babies, unwanted babies, to exposure. Right? Yeah, they would and leave so them out in the desert. Leave them out in the desert. And basically the people of God were an exposed baby mm-hmm. that he saved, that he raised, that he cleansed, that he covered. He raised them up. And when they became of age and they were beautiful and they were royal, and everyone no- noted that they were taken care of and a, had a privileged God, like a mm-hmm. God-privileged upbringing, they became uh, not just... Not just like someone who sleeps around. Mm -hmm. They became a prostitute, but even a prostitute takes money. Right. They became something worse than a prostitute. They just... Because they would pay. They would pay people to sleep with them. Yeah. And and the way it it is written here is, I mean, a faithless, faithless, adulterating, 
Um, it's just beyond, even beyond Samaria, beyond what the neighboring mm-hmm. pagan people did, they were doing. Yes. And what's so sad is he's saying, I brought you out of that, set you up, and your heart just wanted to be among those people so bad, you gave yourself over to them. And you paid them to be like them. Mm-hmm. And it's it's really gross. Um, I don't know. There are some, some harsh verses. I mean, but you trusted in your beauty and played the whore because of your renown and lavished your whorings on any passerby. Your beauty became his. Um, that's just the idea. So the people of God were willing to exchange anything. Mm-hmm. But, but you see at the very end of this, God says, I have a covenant, a new covenant that, uh, there's an everlasting covenant that's coming because you broke the old covenant. You broke. So when you read the word covenant, you always think of la- like for us, it's best to think of a will. So I write a will up for my kids. Mm-hmm. It's my last will and testament to mm-hmm. my kids. And in that will, I can give them specific things. Yes. But there are some stipulations. Like mm-hmm. if you turn against the family, you know, or right. you can you can write someone out of the will. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the deal here. So all covenants are, here's what you get from me. We're going to kill an animal. We're going to sign it. Mm-hmm. It's binding. It's in front of a notary republic. You know, back in, the, uh, back in the day, it was cut an animal in half. And if we break our deal, well, the people of God broke the deal. Right. And they've been written out of the will. But God in his grace says, I will yet remember my covenant with you in the days when you were young. Mm-hmm. Like, I know we made a deal. I'm the one who is going to keep it. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be new. Right. But I'm going to be the one that has to pay for your breach of this covenant. Right. I'm going to be the one who's going to be cut in half. Now, it doesn't say that specifically. All it says here is uh, I'm going to establish an everlasting covenant. covenant. And so yep. you're left going, what could God do? And he goes, when I atone for you for all that you have done, like you, you'll be so amazed. Yeah, he does say that, doesn't he? That he's like, going to atone... It's like a confident uh, sports, like an athlete. Like, mm-hmm. we're going to win. When we win, you'll see. And God's like, I've just painted the picture. Useless vine, faithless bride. I mean, you're the worst of the worst. Mm-hmm. Yet my name and my love and my attention is still upon the remnant of you. And you will be amazed at how I bring this back. I'm going to rewrite my will. Yeah. But death is still required. But I'm going to atone for you. So it's, it's like this. If you're the original audience, you're going, how is he going to do this? Mm-hmm. But there was a connection for me real quick as we wrap up Ezekiel. Remember when um, the Pharisees orchestrated, like they were sleeping with a woman. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then they brought the woman to Jesus to trick him Mm -hmm. so that they wanted Jesus to either uh, make a judgment according to Moses and Mm -hmm. stone this woman or make a judgment according to Rome and do nothing. And so they could say, see, he breaks your laws, Rome, Mm -hmm. or see, he breaks the law of God. Right. And so they bring an adulterous woman before Jesus. And I was just thinking after reading this, Israel, like Jerusalem is the adulterous woman, mm-hmm. according to Ezekiel. And so people always like to imagine, because it says Jesus wrote some things in the sand. Right. And so we always imagine, oh, he was writing the sins of the people. Yeah, and, yeah. But I don't think that after reading Ezekiel now, I bet all Jesus had to do was write um, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel. <laughs> That's probably what he wrote. Because they're the prophets that you rejected and you yeah. killed. And they were the ones who said, no, you're the, you're, you're the woman caught in adultery. Yeah. You're the one that deserves to be stoned. So then, this yeah. is my imagination, right? He writes those three prophets' names. 
And then he says, whoever is without sin, throw the first stone. Mm-hmm. So which of you adulterous women are going to kill the adulterous woman? Mm-hmm. And they all walked away like, oh, no. Mm-hmm. Well played, Jesus. Because Israel, the people of God, are the adulterous woman. And Jesus shows up and does not cast the stone. Boom. Wow. That required a little extra blues. Well, the cool thing about the Bible is that it really, the scriptures really work together because they're all, obviously, as we're on day 312, they're just so connected. The story is so rich. And they really good. do line up. It actually, without even having to prove, I don't have to prove anything. <laughs> it's so funny. I used to use the Bible to prove things, you know. But you don't have to. You just have to read it, and it's like, oh, yeah, duh. All right, play me in. Oh, yeah, sorry. I was already going. Our New Testament reading for today is Hebrews chapter 8 through chapter 9, verse 15. And we don't have to say much about today because it does go so well with um, this idea oh, of man. covenant. Yeah, it goes so well with, like, Ezekiel. Just yeah, it does. Really well. So, um, again... How? How does it do that? He, uh, the author of Hebrews has been uh, going through this idea of Jesus is better than mm-hmm. the old. Jesus is... And then now he gets to Jesus is better than the old covenant. He yes. is a high priest of a newer and better eternal covenant. So cool, like... The, the question that Ezekiel leaves his readers with, yes, it's like, I'm going to atone for you with this everlasting. How do you make an everlasting covenant? You can't guarantee that people are going to keep it. Mm-hmm. Hebrews. You make it with a man, right. like someone who's 100% man and 100% God. Yeah, see, Jesus is everlasting. Yes. So the covenant is everlasting. Yes, and it has to be made with people and to be for us to be under it it has to be made with a person the deal is between god and man so jesus is god and man so the deal is sure that's why we go to god in jesus because no one else can do it yes so stop trying to figure out like well like i want to make sure my friends from other countries or what they're all going to go to heaven right it's like i don't know that's between them and god but i'm just saying the only way i know is through jesus Mm -hmm. anyway that's a side note what i really want to say here is um, he's a better high priest because he's all God. He's all everlasting. But what um, Hebrews does is start to bridge this answer. Mm-hmm. How does how in the world can we get an everlasting covenant? And he starts saying in verse um, ver- chapter eight, verse five: uh, "See that you make everything according to the pattern that was shown you on the mountain." Okay. Yeah. So, so this is pattern. Bl- well, this is blowing my mind a little bit. Yes. Yeah. Blow. So. So in chapter 8 and 9, he starts making this whole correlation between, like, look, everything that we built our our religious practices on were given to us by God, and he gave us patterns and structures on how to organize and build everything, the temple, tabernacle, even the rituals and everything, and these patterns that we got exist. They yes. actually exist. They actually are, there's a reality of these things in the heavenly places. And what's awesome is we got a glimpse of that in Ezekiel. Ezekiel right. sees yes. the throne of God. Yes. And it's similar to the Ark of the Covenant. Well, that's why I, the first part of chapter, verse 5 is they serve a copy and a shadow of heavenly things. Mm-hmm. Right. And so Ezekiel sees that. 
And now the author of Hebrews is going, look, there is a better high priest because there's a better temple that cannot be corrupted or taken mm-hmm. over by anybody because it is God's, his, it is God's, and there's yeah. nothing above God. But then it's even going on like, okay, so we have a uh, better high priest in Jesus, but we have a more excellent covenant. Mm-hmm. And so um, this is the better covenant. So the the last, the will, let's just say the will of God, like in last will and testament, mm-hmm. was updated mm-hmm. through Jesus Christ. Yes. It's like, all right, new developments. I'm going to rewrite my will. Right. And so the the rewritten will, it's connected to what Jeremiah, so if you, in chapter 8, you should have read, um, you should have read the connection to Jeremiah, mm-hmm. who talks about a new covenant, a covenant uh, different than the one I made with their fathers, this one has to do with, I will put my laws into their minds, I yes, will write them yes, on their yes, hearts, yes. and I will be their God, and they shall be my people, and they shall not teach each each one his neighbor, each one his brother, saying, know the Lord, for they shall all know me from the least to the greatest. And, by the way, I'll remember their sins no more. Now then, if you're a student or you've been around Christianity, this is where you understand, how is God going to do that? Well, uh, Tactically, practically, he does it through Jesus Christ. And then functionally, he does it through the giving of the Holy Spirit where we mm-hmm. get new hearts. Mm-hmm. And so this faith that you and I have is a gift of God enabling us to know the Lord right? in relationship, like intimacy. Right. So, And all relationships grow from, from being a baby to being friends to in marriage, like constantly growing. So now our hearts can know the Lord and we can meet him anywhere we want in Jesus' name, not just because we're meeting him mm-hmm. in the real temple. Right. Jesus Christ is bringing us before the real holy of holies, not just once a year with blood offered by goats and bulls, but by his own blood, and so that we may boldly go before the throne of God. And this is where he says, in speaking of a new covenant, this is the end of chapter 8, he makes the first one obsolete. Right. So he says, look, I'm wiping out the sacrificial system with animals. Right. You cannot even, you can't operate under that. Right. And I'm, I'm offering up one sacrifice now. You put your faith in him. Mm-hmm. And instead of blood, you offer praise. Mm-hmm. You offer faith. Can you, and I'll help you with that. The grow, so he says, it's becoming obsolete and growing old and is ready to vanish away. So the author of Hebrews is saying, that's vanished away. Now let's live under the new. Mm-hmm. Then he breaks down um, the earthly holy place, right? In chapter 9. Yeah, which you kind of already hit. Yeah. The, it's, again, the idea that um, we're moving away from this thing. Like, don't go back. Because, again, he's talking to an audience, a Jewish audience, who's starting to rally back around the temple because Rome is starting to really uh, persecute and, um, uh, I don't know, they're starting to attack. Uh, Jerusalem and um, so they're starting to rally around he's like don't go back to that we have something better Uh, that was ineffective right that was to point us towards something better and the something better has come and that's Jesus Christ and we don't need to go back to something old and those just deal with food and drink Mm -hmm. and he says but when Christ appeared as high priest of the good things that have come then through the greater and more perfect tent not made with hands um, that is not of this creation. He entered once for all into all into the holy places, not by means of blood of goats and calves. Oh, yeah, I said this. But yeah, means so, of his own blood, securing so, eternal redemption. So the way I would sum this up is under the old covenant, when we confessed under the old covenant, 
uh, an animal was killed instead of us. When we confess under the covenant of Jesus yes. Christ, our sin is killed and we are brought to life. Yeah, and it's in fact, it's verse 14. He says, how much more will the blood of Christ who through eternal spirit, so this is the, mm-hmm. we have the Holy Spirit now, offered himself without blemish to purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Mm-hmm. So now our sins are forgiven. We have a pure conscience because of this new covenant enacted, started, and followed through and fulfilled in Christ. I, it's funny. I just What'd finally got the, uh, the wordplay of dead works. Yeah. The dead works is uh, offering dead animals. Yeah. I just got that. Like, I always just think of, like, our it's... own, like, actions or stuff like that. But I just understood the original wordplay. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> and, like, all your works are, like, offering a sacrifice You're to offering animals. dead animals. Yeah, it's like, okay, that's I'm cool. Like, oh, working we, with the dead. I get it. We have a living... We have a now. living sacrifice now. And so what's cool is Hebrews isn't even pointing. Hebrews is right there. Mm-hmm. He's within 20 years of Jesus Christ being on the earth. Mm-hmm. And so you had Ezekiel, who's still 400 years away, saying there's an internal covenant coming. Mm-hmm. And now you have Hebrews going, hey, let me bridge this for you. We just saw this. We just saw this. This is real. Don't go back to yeah. the old. That's old covenant. And by the way, it's vanished. It's mm-hmm. not even going to hold up in a court of law anymore. Right. Because God has spoken again in his son, Jesus Christ. <sighs> So all that to say, what Hebrews always says is, so hold on. Mm-hmm. Hold on to your faith. It's a great gift. Cool. Our psalm for today is Psalm 120. In my distress I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Deliver me, O Lord, from lying lips, from a deceitful tongue. What shall be given to you, and what more shall be done to you, you deceitful tongue? A warrior's sharp arrows, the glowing coals of the broom tree. Woe to me that I sojourn in Meshech, that I dwell among the tents of Kedar. Too long have I had my dwelling among those who hate peace. I am for peace, but when I speak, they are for war. been fed by ravens. Go in peace and serve the Lord. We'll talk to you next time.